Hey, everybody. Welcome to the World Harvest Church Podcast. We pray that this message blesses you, inspires you, and more than anything, helps you grow in your relationship with Jesus. For more information and resources, please visit us at worldharvestusa.com. Lord, right now, we just thank you for your presence, and we thank you for your word. Lord, and we invite you to speak. Lord, I curse every spirit of oppression over your people in the name of Jesus, and I command it to lift in Jesus' name. And I command eyes to be opened. I command ears to be opened and hearts to be opened in this place in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray that your word would sink deep into every single heart. And I pray that we would walk out of this place with tools in our hands, with the sword coming out of the sheath, ready to put some blood on that sword. In the name of Jesus, we thank you for it. Say amen. Amen. Woo! Grab your Bible, please. Grab your Bible. Turn with me to Exodus. Got a lot to get through. Thank you, man. God is good, isn't he? Exodus 23. I remember uh, remember one time Pastor Bob was preaching. It was during the pandemic. It was when it first hit and we locked down. And uh, he got done preaching. And it was like, I call it pastor, uh, or I said it was a savage pastor. That's what I said. It was like savage pastor mug. Because he was just like letting her fly, man. And he gets off the stage, and this is back when we were like hiding 200 people in this part of the room off camera, you know? (laughs) We never did that. We never did that. Um, So uh, (laughs) everyone's like, shh. Pastor comes off the stage, and I go up to him like, Pastor Bob, that was your best word yet, man. It was fire. It was fire. You know what he said to me? This is so cool. Okay, this is like behind the scenes, all right? Pulling back the veil a little bit. This is what he says. He says, sometimes, he said, most of the time you preach to inspire. But he said, sometimes you preach to mark the spirit. He said, sometimes you preach to inspire. Most times, sorry, most of the time you preach to inspire. But sometimes you preach to mark the spirit. And he walks away and I'm like, My pastor going to mess you up. I said, my pastor's way cooler than yours. I'm so thankful that our pastors do have blood on their sword. Aren't you? I'm thankful that we have leaders that have been in the fight. And they're not preaching out of just principle or out of some sort of master's degree in theology alone. No, they're preaching from their own battle experience. I don't know about you, man, but I can't learn from somebody who hasn't been in a fight. I can't. But I can learn from somebody who has gotten into a little bit of a battle. Are you with me? Like, that's why I love learning boxing from Lance. Where's Lance? Is he in here? Lance, there you are. How did I miss you? You're huge. That's why, why, <laughs> why I love learning from Lance. He's teaching us boxing, and it's like, it's this like Muay Thai, Judo, whatever the crap that means. It's, and it's, it's cool and everything, but what I love about it is that he's been in a few fights, BC. <laughs> I want to tell him stories, but I'm going to let you do that sometime. But I love it, because I can learn from somebody who's been in a fight. You know, I can learn from somebody whose family has been attacked as of late, but yet they don't quit. I can learn from somebody like that. I can learn from somebody who maybe gets overlooked and maybe their gift isn't valued, but they don't give up. 
I can learn from somebody like that. Are you guys in Exodus 23? Yes. Whew, I just pray that that clock would slow down, boy. <laughs> I, got, I got so much. We got we to gotta fly. You know in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, y'all have that verse? Can we see that quick? Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, it says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. The very thing that you think you're fighting against, may I propose this morning that that person or thing may be the very thing that you're supposed to be fighting for? You think you're fighting your wife and you're fighting against her. Really, you need to be fighting for her. You think you're fighting against your pastors. Maybe you should be fighting for them. You think you're fighting against your kids? No, fight for them. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, hallelujah, but against principalities, against powers, and against the rulers of the darkness. Our battle is not what it looks like in the flesh. Remember when Elisha's servant was overwhelmed and stressed out, kind of freaking out? It's like, oh man, we're about ready to get schooled, remember? It's in 2 Kings, somewhere in there. But Elijah said, Lord, open this poor dude's eyes. And the Lord opened his eyes, and what did he see? He saw in the spirit that there who was for them was exceedingly more than that who were against them. And what do you think happened to his confidence? Oh, he's like, oh, it's on, baby. Let's go, man. And how many know God fought for them in that? Is that the story where he struck all of the other people with blindness? Or is that, was that a different story? I can't remember. Okay, whatever. But God, sometimes God fights for you, right? And we sing about it. And it's beautiful. God fights for us. Yes. And sometimes he fights for us to the level that we can literally just sit back, grab our popcorn, and watch him go to work. I like that. Don't you? Those are my favorite battles because I can just kick it, you know? But sometimes if we, have, if we employ the same battle strategy, thinking that God's going to fight for me, when in reality... I'm supposed to be obedient to God and do something specific, but yet I think, oh, God fights my battles. And I'm just sitting there and I'm just eating my popcorn. I'm going to get steamrolled. In 2 Corinthians, stay, stay in Exodus, I'll go there. Y'all all right? 2 Corinthians 4 says, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be, in, be, may be of God and not of us. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. How many know if you are hard-pressed, if you're crushed, if you're perplexed, persecuted, or struck down, you're in good company. He goes on to say, let's see here. Therefore, we do not lose heart. By the way, the devil, if he could, if he could just get you to quit, that's all he needs. If he could just get you to quit, that's all he needs. How many of y'all been tempted to quit the last three weeks? Come on. I'm not talking about your job, maybe, but how many cell leaders in here, you've been tempted to quit? The last three weeks, uh-huh. Me too, me too. 
But see, the devil would love for you to quit because then you stop taking territory. Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. Say day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, just a few chapters later, verses uh, 3 through 5, it says that our weapons, the weapons of our warfare, are not carnal. So why would we need weapons if God's going to fight all of our battles? For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, right? You can't fight depression with a nine mil. You can't take nunchucks to, <laughs> to, to rejection, you know? No, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. You've been pulling down strongholds, man. The fight's not even about you. It's not even about you. Exodus 23, we better get over there. Are you guys there, Exodus 23? It's 11.23, so it must be the right time. Okay. This is the Lord. Now, just a little context. So before this, um, the Israelites were held captive in where? Egypt. And the Lord appeared to Moses in a burning. And when they were, the Lord was talking to Moses, and he was telling him what he wanted to do in his life and everything. And remember what he told him to do with the sandals? Y'all remember? What did he say? take them off. Why? Because it is holy ground. Okay, cool. So then Moses agreed after some hesitation to go with uh, Aaron, right? They roll up into Egypt and they steal all the Israelites. It was awesome. They didn't steal them, but whatever. You guys get the picture. So they set free millions of, of Israelites. They leave. They cross the Red Sea. And then as they're crossing the Red Sea, after the last Israelite crosses over the river, all of the sudden, the Lord releases the Red Sea to consume all of their enemies. How many know God did the fighting for them that day? But how many know they needed to walk? They had a task to do. See, the Lord will fight for you. He'll always fight for us, but sometimes he fights for us through us. Like, sometimes he fights for us through our obedience. Imagine if they would have stayed on the bank when the Red Sea parted. Most like, guys, we got to go. And they're like, no, God's going to fight for us. He's going to fight for us. How many know that wouldn't have gone too well? They needed to be obedient. They needed to walk, didn't they? So anyway, so they're out. And now we're coming to the point here where it's been a really powerful time. Everything's wonderful. And um, this is before they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. We'll get to that in a second. But Exodus 23, are you ready? Say, I'm ready says, Behold, I send an angel, capital A. I believe personally this is the Lord Jesus Christ. I send an angel before you to keep you in the way. How many know Jesus keeps us right where we need to be? Acknowledge the Lord in, with all your heart. How does he say that? Acknowledge the Lord in all your ways and he will make your paths. Yeah. So he'll keep you in the way and to bring you into the place which I have prepared. If you're pioneering out of your flesh, you might not be going the right way. Beware of him, capital H. Doesn't do that with other angels. And obey his voice. Whose voice? His. Do not provoke him, for he will not pardon your transgressions. Aren't you thankful for the blood? <laughs> How many know he, he pardons our transgressions now? 
we're in the new covenant. Aren't you glad? But watch this. It says this, the Lord. He says, for my name is in him. For my name is in him. Talking about Jesus. Isn't that powerful? But if you indeed obey his voice and do all that I speak, then I will be an enemy to your enemies and an adversary to your adversaries. For my angel will go before you and bring you into the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites, all the sites, and I will cut them off. You shall not bow down to their gods, nor serve them, nor do according to their works. Isn't that something? See, sometimes when we're taking territory, instead of just crushing whatever it is and taking the land, sometimes we go and we camp out in that territory. I'll explain what I mean. Like, like you're fighting depression. So then you're fighting depression. You're fighting it. You're just worshiping the Lord. You're serving him. You're doing what he's calling you to do. But then all of a sudden, the temptation to isolate comes in. You're like, I think I'll do that. No, no, no. Rip it down. Every pillar you find, light it up. Rip apart every pillar. Knock down every wall. Do not serve their gods. When you take the territory, you rip it all apart and you establish the kingdom of God there. You're like, this is my marriage, man. This is my marriage. And it's not even mine. It belongs to him. We're ripping down everything that's not of God. As for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. But you shall utterly overthrow them and completely break down their sacred pillars. So you shall serve the Lord your God, and he will bless your bread and your water, and I will, make, I will take sickness away from the midst of you. No one shall suffer miscarriage or be barren in your land. Hallelujah. I will fulfill the number of your days. I will send my... This is so good. He's just, he's just like blasting his people with promises right now. It's just one after the other. He says, I will send my fear before you. <laughs> I will cause confusion among the people to whom you come, and will make all your enemies turn their backs to you. Listen, you ain't supposed to turn your back to the devil. The devil's supposed to be turning his back to you because he don't mess with the wrong person. And I want to tell you this too. You aren't just taking territory for your personal life because I know that you are. Every single person that belongs to this church, I know for sure. Because this church is, this church is crazy. <laughs> All right? Y'all are all nuts. Every single one of you. And I, that's why I love you. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you something. It ain't, you're not just fighting for yourself now. You're fighting for your church. Did you, did you know that this church is taking territory? We do cell groups. Like, we don't, we, don't, we don't just have a building and want everybody to come to the building so we can have a nice little Christian time. We have cell groups that are literally permeating cities. We're all over the place. All right? We're messing hell up. That's the goal. If you, how do I, I don't want to, like, I shouldn't say that, I shouldn't say that. I'm thankful to be a part of a church that's taking territory. You know what I'm saying? Sheldon and Elaine, y'all been taking territory for years. Oh man, y'all been doing it. Have you guys faced any opposition at all in your lives? Oh no, oh no. <laughs> I can learn from somebody like this. You, you guys don't understand it, but these two, they, you guys are itching to go to the Philippines right now. You guys are animals. Sheldon, I remember you telling me.
story in the elders meeting one time. You slept on plywood. Yeah. Yeah. And cement. Man, I can learn from somebody like that, can't you? So you're not just fighting for your personal life. You're also fighting for your church. And I'll tell you what, it would be easier to go to a church that's not taking territory. <laughs> easier until you get to heaven. And then God shows you, no, 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 I had good works which I prepared beforehand that you should walk in them. And you, you ignored them because it was hard. Not this church. Not this church. Where was I? Exodus 23. Help me out now. 27? 28? Which one do you guys want to do? It's up to you. 28! And I will send hornets. I think that happened, didn't it? In California, was it? No. Sorry. And I will send hornets before you, which shall drive out the Hivite, the Canaanite, and the Hittite from before you. I will not drive them out from you in one year. Watch this now. Lest the land become desolate and the beasts of the field become too numerous for you. Little by little. Touch somebody and say little by little. Look back at them and say little by little. See, we want to take so much territory, sometimes all in one big swoop, and then when we don't see it happen, we get discouraged, we beat ourselves up. We're like, maybe God, maybe I'm not cut out for this. Maybe God, maybe I'm not God's man for that. But he's like, no, 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 little by little. Little by little, you're going to get the territory. Little by little. Remember when Jesus said, make sure you count the cost before you set out to build? So that way you don't get halfway through it and you didn't have enough materials and you're embarrassed, right? Mark's been working on a garage. Have you counted the cost? Yes, he has. He told me that that was his favorite part of the process. I said, you're nuts. <laughs> oh, we got to count the cost. But hey, little by little. Say it again. Say little by little. <laughs> little by little, I will drive them out from before you until you have increased and you inherit the land. There it is. There's some territory. And I will set your bounds. Here's some territory. From the Red Sea to the sea. Philistia and from the desert to the river. For I will deliver the inhabitants of the land into your hand, and you shall drive them out before you. You shall make no covenant with them. You see that? When you're fighting for things in your life, don't make a covenant with that. You're in a covenant already, baby. Nor with their gods. They shall not dwell in your land. <laughs> Evict everything that's not of Jesus in your life. Evict it. You are the landlord, baby. Kick that thing out. Serve it some papers, lest they make you sin against me. For if you serve their gods, it will surely be a snare to you. Okay, we're doing okay on time. Now, here's what, if you just received this word from God, okay? So you're the Israelites, and God just gave you this word. How many of you are thinking, like, the next day, let's, let's go get it? I'd be looking to the air. I'm like, where are those hornets? Lord, let's go. I'm ready. Anybody else? Okay, yeah. It, has God ever spoken a promise to you and it didn't happen the next day and you're like, man, I don't know if I heard God. <laughs> I wonder if that's what they thought. Now, here's what's fascinating now. Immediately after God gave the promise, say promise. promise. Immediately after God gave the promise, do you know what he did? If you continue to read, he, took up, he instructed Moses to take up an offering to build the tabernacle. Why did he do that? What's the tabernacle, first of all? The tabernacle is a type and shadow. It's a template for what prayer is. Did you? Oh, you didn't hear me. <laughs> the tabernacle 
is a type and shadow for what prayer is. Interesting. So God gave a promise, and then immediately after that, he said, you're going to build the tabernacle. And you know what's interesting? Now, Mark, you're building this garage, right? You're doing an addition to your garage. Now, usually when you construct a building of some kind, you start with a foundation. Say yes. What happened? What are you doing? You taking my wallet? I'm messing you. Thank you. Are you looking at my underwear? What are you doing? What happened? Everything okay? I didn't break something, did I? One time I had a handheld and I was like doing this with it and it flew out of my hand. It shattered everywhere. Most of the time when you're building a building, what happened for real? Was it just up? up? Okay. Usually when you build a building, you start with a foundation, you build up the walls and you do the trusses, you do the windows, and then you work your way in, right? Do some electric, do some plumbing, and then you, do, you don't do the sheetrock right away, right? Because obviously you don't have no walls to put sheetrock on, right? God's like, I don't care about your order of construction. The very first thing that he ordered to construct, it wasn't the perimeter of the tabernacle. It wasn't the courtyard. It wasn't the brazen altar. It wasn't the table of shewbread. It was the Ark of the Covenant. Are we going too deep? Are you okay? What's the Ark of the Covenant? Just, just, turn, just turn a page over. First, or chapter 25. So just two chapters later, it says, this is where he's talking about the very first thing that they're building is the Ark of the Testimony. And what is the Ark of the Testimony? Look at verse 22 of chapter 25. It says, and there I will meet with you. And I will speak with you from above the mercy seat, from beneath, or sorry, from between the two cherubim, which are on the Ark of the Testimony, about everything which I will give you in commandment to the children of Israel. Do you see that? So God gives the promise. Say promise. And then he gives instructions for his presence. I hope you got a pen and a piece of paper, okay? Or a phone or whatever. Steal your neighbors, I don't care. If you try to take the promises of God without the presence of God, you will miss the purpose of God. Think about it. Like if they were to go and run into the promised land and go take that thing without the presence of God, they would have completely missed the purpose of God. Did you know there's a purpose to the battle you're in? There's a purpose to it. Is this making sense? We cannot afford to miss the purpose. I love what Pastor Bob said. He said, uh, he said, you can't fight spirit with flesh. He's like, he said, if you want to see spiritual results, you need to do spiritual things. That's not very complicated, is it? But it's true. It's true. I'm trying to think of where to go from here. <laughs> um, so, if you're familiar with the story, um, the Israelites ended up getting the green light 
essentially, to go get the promised land. It's in the book of Numbers, chapter 13. Moses tells 12 spies to go, actually God told Moses, if I'm not mistaken, to send 12 spies into the promised land, go check it out. So they go, they come back, and they're like, man, that land is awesome. That fruit, you should have seen that, right? They're like, those apples there, they're the best apples I've ever seen. The land is rich. It's flowing with milk and honey. It is awesome. But we shouldn't take it because the guys are too scary. They're too big. They're too skilled. And we're like locusts in their sight, as if they knew. But there were two people that had a different opinion. What were their names? Bingo. I knew this church was scary, man. Y'all read your Bibles. I know what's going on here. Caleb and Joshua, Caleb stood up and he said, y'all are so not smart. (laughs) Keep it PG, keep it PG. You guys aren't smart. No, let's go take the land. It's like, it's almost as if he could see in the future when the New Testament reveals that if God be for us, who can be against us? Granted, that hadn't, that hadn't been written yet, but he had faith in God. And he knew that the word from Moses, from his leader, wasn't even about, wasn't even his, it wasn't Moses' idea. It was God's idea. It was God's promise. But you know the story. They ended up meandering for 40 years. God said, for every single day that you were spying out the land, you'll spend one year in the wilderness. And guess how many people, because eventually those 40 years came too, but how many people got to enter the promised land? Just those two. Everybody else died in the wilderness. They didn't get to participate in the promise. Yeah, it was a certain age. Was it like 20? Yeah, from that generation. (laughs) Obviously, there were millions of people that went into the the promised land. But um, what's fascinating, I want to talk to the leaders for a moment, okay? Listen up, please. I sent this to our team this week. But in Numbers, if you look at Numbers 13, when they went to spy out the land in Numbers 14, you know, you see all that happen, and God's like, man, y'all missed it. Right before that in Numbers 12, there was division amongst the leadership. Hear me, hear me, hear me. Aaron and Miriam were gossiping behind Moses' back. They, They allowed division and offense and gossip and slander to consume them. And I'll tell you what, God did not like that. So if you had a staff meeting at that time, it would have been Moses, Miriam, and, and, uh, and Aaron. You can't tell me that what happens in leadership doesn't affect the whole camp. Leaders, listen, I'm telling you what, I'm gonna be, I'm, can I be just transparent with you? Listen now, the last three weeks, I allowed offense to get inside of me I allowed bitterness to get inside of me where the people super close to me were like, Jake, is everything okay? <laughs> I was like, and one time in particular, I'm like, yeah, I'm good, I'm good. And I like go to my office and the Lord's like, really? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, now you talk clearly to me? Nice, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, thanks. So I go, hey, anybody else ever, you know? Yeah, that's why you're laughing. <laughs> so anyway, I go up to, to that person. I'm like, I lied to you. 
I'm not doing good. <laughs> That's all, <laughs> you know. Um, I don't remember what I was saying. Can somebody help me out? What was I saying? Ah, uh, division and leadership, yeah. But I was offended with our pastors. I allowed bitterness to, to, to get into my, my soul, and it was affecting my spirit, and it was affecting my flesh. And so I end up, and Pastor Bob's been preaching out of James 5.16 for like over a month, okay? And it says that, let, confess your trespasses to one another. How many know when you're in the wrong, sometimes you can just go to God and deal with it, but other times you need to humble yourself, go to the person and say, hey, I was being an idiot, and I'm sorry, will you forgive me? For me personally, like, I can do it with God, and that's fine. But I like to just give the devil a good one, too. You know what I'm saying, Lance? I really like that. And sometimes my flesh doesn't like it too much. So anyway, I go up to Pastor Bob after he preached one night, and I'm like, Pastor Bob. <laughs> like, I was offended with you, and I'm sorry. You didn't do anything wrong. I was an idiot. Will you please forgive me? And he's like, what did I do? And I said, it doesn't matter what you did. And he's like, you know, Pastor Bob, he's like, no, don't tell me, what, what did I do? And I'm like, Pastor Bob, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. He's like, well, I'll forgive you if you tell me. I'm like, that ain't right. <laughs> I didn't tell him. He didn't forgive me. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I said to him, I said, Pastor Bob, with all due respect, it is not your job to babysit my emotions. I repent. Please forgive me. I call Pastor Shar. My Pastor Shar, same story. I was an idiot. You did nothing wrong. Please forgive me. She's like, okay, forgive you. Aren't you thankful for our pastors? And now I'm preaching? What the heck is going on? It's crazy. For real. For real, yeah. And I'll tell you what, man, everybody that preaches here, none of us, we're all preaching out of the rawness of our life, okay? So if you don't like it, go somewhere else. Yeah. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, the devil was tempting me to leave, man. He was trying to tempt me to quit. Is this too vulnerable? You're like, oh, J Pastor Jake's unstable, you know? <laughs> so are you! <laughs> It's on Christ the solid rock I stand, and all other ground is sinking sand. I feel faith in the room. What about you? You feel? Um, <laughs> I felt like quitting, but the Lord reminded me. In fact, I was in the office. I've shared this once before, but I was in the office. This is back before we even like had a staff. Um, and I was like, I was man in the front, and Pastor Bob was like fixing the drywall or something. Pastor Charles was like painting. We're all just trying to do everything we can, you know. Miss Sherry's answering the phone. Miss Tammy's doing something, whatever. We actually had a pretty good staff, didn't we? Didn't we? Yeah, it was, where's Miss Sherry? I just saw you. Where'd you? There you are. Hi. Um, anyways, I answered the phone. The guy's like, hey, I'm new to the area. I'm looking for a church. I want you to tell me why should I choose to come to your church? I'm like, oh, you, call, you got the right guy. <laughs> And I start going full salesman, man. I'm like, boo, we got a kid's church. Let me tell you something. We got a kid's church. It's awesome. I said, not only kid's church, but our worship team is off the hook. You're going you're gonna to cry probably three times. 
And uh, I said, man, we got cell groups. Oh, it's so good. You get connected. You get, it's like you get in your own personal little mini church and you got your, like, your own little pastor there and everything. It's so cool. I said, you got it. It's going to be awesome. And then the Lord spoke to me. He's like, zip it. I'm like, what? I thought I was doing good, man. We got churches all over the world. Stop it. I said, you shouldn't choose to come here, sir. Got quiet, kind of like right now. I said, if you choose to come here, then you can choose when you leave. As soon as somebody preaches something that you don't like, you can leave. As soon as the worship goes too long for you, you can leave. As soon as somebody sits in your spot, how dare they, you can choose to leave. Right? But if God tells you where to go, then you don't get to leave until he sends you. So no, sir, you shouldn't choose to come here. What you should do is ask God, what church are you sending me to? What pastors are you asking me to submit myself to so I can accomplish the plans and purposes that you have for us as a church? So, I mean, no, the devil just picked on the wrong church. I'm telling you what, God lights my lamp. He lights my lamp. Psalm 18, David wrote that right after he crushed all of his enemies and then he took, or whatever happened with Saul, said, oh, you, oh God, you light my lamp. Somebody asked Reinhard Bonnke one time, they're like, how do you keep the fire of God going? He said, I don't keep the fire of God going. The fire of God keeps me going. Joshua chapter one, turn with me real quick. We got a lot to do here, little time. You guys okay? So the Israelites were wandering through, that generation dies. How many want to experience the promises of God and not let your kids have to go get them? Don't you want to get the promises of God and have your kids grow up in the promised land? Me too. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses. From the wilderness in this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land, say all the land. All the land of the Hittites and to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. Territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. You're not allowed to prosper. That's not in my Bible. How many know your prosperity will be proportionate to the level that you give? You want to have a nice big house and drive a nice car and all that stuff? That's fine. As long as it's proportionate to what you give. If I just want to have, like in our declaration, thank you, Lord, that you give me more than enough so that I can have all the things I want. No, 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 no. 
He wants to bless us so that we can be a blessing. If He can get it through us, He'll get it to us. Right? We need those old-time preachers again, you know? Those old cool sayings like that. I miss that, don't you? Um, What verse was I on? Eight, thank you. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night. I was preaching a series, my, the series, whatever. Um, it was like how to live a life of fire. And it was like four things that every believer needs to do. How many of you remember that? I got through two things, if you remember right. The first one was what? Dang, y'all. <laughs> it's die. Die daily, right? Jesus said, anybody who should come after me, let him deny himself, pick up his cross daily and follow me, right? Die daily. Second thing was to host Jesus daily. Third thing is to read your Bible daily. You cannot fight a spiritual battle with flesh weapons. But if you don't have this in you, it's going to be a really tough fight. You know, like you can rely on the preaching, you can rely on podcasts, but unless you get this word deep in you, you will not have ammo. You need ammo. This is the sword of the Spirit. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. But you got to know how to wield it. But how can you wield it if you don't have it in you? Get it in you, man. Get it in you. I wish we had more time. There's so much. Oh. oh, the Packers play at noon, and I'm feeling the jerseys in my face. <laughs> yeah. mm. Can I tell you a secret? I wish I would have known a long time ago. This is important. I got to tell you this. The voice of God often sounds like your own thoughts. So we say hearing the voice of God, and sometimes that happens here. Believe me, it happens. Scare the lights out of you. Sometimes we hear the voice of God here. We we can open our eyes. He opens our eyes and we see things. In the spirit, we see things. But more often than not, we hear the voice of God in our thoughts. At least in my experience, and what I've I've inquired of different, uh, different, more seasoned believers, male and female. Um, But can I tell you something else? The voice of the devil also sounds like your own thoughts. And I'm going to tell you something else. Your opinions, your offenses, your assumptions, your frustrations, all of those things create a voice. And those happen in your thoughts. There's a lot going on up here. So how, how on earth are we supposed to differentiate God's voice from my voice and from the devil's voice and from the voice of the news and from the voice of whatever else I'm listening to, whatever else I'm letting in? Well, how, how can I do that? Bingo. Bingo. But it's, uh, this isn't just some hyperbolic preaching saying. Y'all, we got to get this in us. We got to. If you want to become sharp in hearing the voice of God, you've got to become sharp in the word of God. I can't overstate it, but then we come up with all these excuses. And I told our team not too long ago, I was like, listen, you can read through the whole Bible if you just read it every time you sat on the toilet. <laughs> Instead of opening up Facebook, open up the version app, like my wife was saying, and go through the Bible. Do that every single time you use the bathroom. See how fast you'll be done with the Bible. Yeah. 
Some of y'all be faster than others. <laughs> Man, I can't tell you everything. I'm gonna, can, I, can, I fly, can you just give me a few minutes? I'm just gonna, I'm gonna fly through this faster than you can even imagine. So buckle up, all right? So immediately after this happened with Joshua, it says the angel of the Lord appeared to him. Or excuse me, it was the commander of the Lord's army appeared to him. And Joshua, I believe it's chapter three. Okay, the commander of the Lord's army, capital C. Okay, this is Jesus again. Remember when Jesus appeared or when, when God said that his angel would go before them? Okay, so the commander of the Lord's standing before him and guess what he says to him? Take off your, for where you are standing is holy ground. Similar, right? Guess what happened immediately after that? See, in Exodus 23, when God gave him the promise, he gave him the presence, right? So immediately after the commander of the Lord's army, or excuse me, the Lord said, you're going to go into the territory, you're going to take it wherever your foot goes. The angel of the Lord appeared. He's going before them. And then they go and they cross the Jordan River to get to the promised land. But the Jordan River is a river. How are they going to cross it? Guess what they did? They sent out the ark. What was the first thing that God had constructed? I'm going fast, but stay with me now. This is already good if you're catching it. So he sends the ark out before, and as soon as the priest, by the way, this time of year when this happened, the water was super high up on the banks. Okay, so the priests go setting out. They're all carrying this ark of the covenant. There's like, I think seven of them. I can't remember, whatever. So they're going out with the ark, and as soon as they set foot on the bank of the river, the water pulled back in a heap, and they walked on dry ground. And they stood in the middle of the ground right here with the ark. And all of the Israelites passed by. The presence became the threshold from the wilderness to the promise. So every single person that came walking across, walking right by the presence, they had to walk through the presence to get to the promise. So they walked, they walked through to the promised land. And guess what? As soon as the priest, everybody got through. And as soon as the priest started to walk with the ark and they set foot on the opposite bank of the river, the water came rushing right on through. It's impossible to retreat. Children of God, we are not meant to be retreaters. We are meant to be believers, territory takers. So they go, and the Lord has a very unique battle strategy. He says, all right, Jericho's your first assignment. Here's what you're going to do, Joshua. You are going to send out all of the Israelites or whatever, not all of them because that have been a whole lot of people. But he said, you're going to take the ark, and you're going to march around Jericho one time every day for six days. How many days? Six days. So on the seventh day, you're going to march around it seven times. Seven times. And then when the trumpets blast, you're going to lift up a great shout. That's a weird battle strategy. Huh? But what if they would have been like, oh, I don't know. I don't know if we're going to be able to beat them. I don't know. I mean, this, we're already over here. It's kind of nice over here. We could, our tents are good. No, no, no. God had, God had territory for them to take. So they go, and they're obedient. And guess what? On the, when they shouted, what happened to the walls? They fell down flat. And what did they do with Jericho? They took it. Now, they went, when they went to the next assignment, it was AI, right? Now, there's a whole thing that happened there. You have to read in Joshua to figure it out. It's pretty powerful. Be honest before God and do what he says. That's all I'm going to say. 
But then when they got to AI, it was an interesting strategy. See, it changed. If they would have tried to take AI the same way they took Jericho, how many know it wouldn't have happened? But yet it was the word of God for that time, for that assignment. So how many know we have to be obedient to his voice? We have to know what he's saying in the present season right now because battle strategies we used in the past aren't going to work in the present. So we've got to know that's why we have to have a relationship with Jesus. Because when you walk into your prayer room, my friend, you are actually walking into, shout out, the war room. You're walking in and you're getting your battle strategy. But you can't get your battle strategy if you're talking the whole time. We got to zip it. We got to listen up. We got to take some notes. Men of God, occupy your prayer closet more than any room in your house. Your wife and your kids need you. They need you. Think of your lineage, bro. Your lineage needs you to be a fighter. And guess what? Maybe you've lost battles in the past. Maybe the devil's got the better of you. Maybe you have quit. Maybe you have fallen victim to the assignments of the enemy. Well, guess what? I asked Mickey Robinson. We did a video with him. We did an interview. And we asked him, sir, what do you do when all hope is lost? You know what he said? As long as you got breath in your lungs, you still got a fighting chance. You still got a fighting chance, my friend. I don't care what victories or what failures you have on your resume. As long as you're serving Jesus, you got a shot. And every day you keep showing up. Every day you don't quit. You're kicking the devil in the ribs. Too strong? Sorry. I haven't preached in a while. I'm a little wound up, man. Um, okay, I'm going to tell you the last thing. Last thing. I swear I'm going to let you out of here. Can I get a piano or something, please? Dita, come on. Come on. Remember when Saul had a distressing spirit and he, he asked for a, a, an anointed harp player? You, know, you remember that? And then what happened to the spirit? It left. <clears throat> if you could stand with me, I'll tell you what, that'll help the attention. That'll help the ADD go away for a minute. You're like, Jake, I hate you. They're kicking off right now. The devil would love for you to have your Packer game and lose your marriage. My bad. I say that because the Chiefs don't play till three. Listen to this very, very, very carefully, okay? Please. This is Luke chapter 4. It says, Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. How many know he bears our wilderness so we don't have to do that ever again? Being tempted for 40 days. And in these days he ate nothing, and afterward when they had ended, he was hungry. How many know he was on an assignment from God to accomplish something only he could accomplish? My friend, you have things in your life that you can accomplish. Only you can accomplish. I can't fight the battle for you. I can fight with you, boy. I'll stand in that foxhole with you. But you're the one that's got to fight sometimes. But God be with you, my friend. Listen, and the devil said to him, see, if the devil talked to Jesus, how much more is he going to talk to you? So we got to learn what his voice is amongst the others. And he said, this is the devil. He said, if you're the son of God, command this stone to become bread. How did Jesus reply? Yes, verse 4, but Jesus answered him saying, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Then the devil, taking him up on a high mountain, see, Jesus allowed the devil to lead him around so that you don't have to have the devil lead you around. (laughs) 
I'm just letting her fly, man. I don't even care. You know what I'm saying, Bill? You know what I'm saying? He showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. How many know? Oh, wait, watch this. Sorry. And the devil said to him, all this authority I give you, I will give you and their glory. For this has been delivered to me and I will give it to whomever I wish. How many know the devil has territory? The devil has territory. But Jesus was about ready to take it. Therefore, if you will worship before me, all will be yours. And Jesus answered and said to him, get behind me, Satan. For it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only you shall serve. Then he brought him to Jerusalem, set him on the pinnacle of the temple. He didn't realize he was talking to the temple. That's fine. And said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, the devil is now using scripture. For it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you. And in their hands, they shall bear you up lest you dash your foot against a stone. The devil was quoting from Psalm 91. He was quoting verse 12. But you know what? Jesus knew his word. You know why? Because he is the word. He is the word. And he knew that the devil was taking the scripture out of context. Because in verse 11, verse 11 says, if anything befalls you, then your angels, my angels will take care of you. It's not you just go be an idiot and then let God do something. See, so he knows the Bible. How many know the devil has Bible studies? So should we every day. And Jesus answered and said to him, it has been said, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Now watch this. Now the devil, now when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. Did you know that sometimes you'll crush the devil, you'll take territory and he'll let you have it until an opportune time. As long as our heart's beating, we got a fighting chance. But guess what? We got to run the race. We got to fight the good fight. Amen. Now watch this. This is the last thing. I promise. I'm so, I, honestly, I'm sorry for taking this long. I don't have anything against football or any of that. I was just joking. Okay. Wives, if your husband watches football, he's not a bad husband. Okay. He's a good husband. All right. If he watches the Packers, it's a different story. <laughs> I love you. Watch this, verse 14, 15. I never, I never saw this in my life until yesterday, actually. I mean, I read it. <laughs> Don't judge me. I read it, but I had never. Oh, oh, okay. I'd never seen this in my life. So the devil's tempting Jesus with every temptation, every single one, right? Every single one. He's just being relentless with the temptation, with the temptation, with the temptation. Why? Watch this, verse 14. Then Jesus returned in the power of, of the Holy Spirit, where? To Galilee. And news of him went out throughout, through all the surrounding region. Galilee wasn't just a city, it was a region full of cities. Jesus was going after territory and the devil's like, you can't have it. If I can stop him, then he won't get it. And Jesus is like, you can't stop me. You need to wake up in the morning, pound your chest a little bit and just remind the devil, you can't stop me. Lord, we worship you and we adore you and we just claim territory in Jesus' name. We claim our marriages in Jesus' name. We claim our futures in Jesus' name. We claim our children in the name of Jesus. Lord, we rebuke every sickness. We rebuke every lie from the enemy. We rebuke offenses. We rebuke frustration. Woo! Just right now, wherever you are, just recommit yourself to God right now. If you're by your wife, grab them by the hand. And you tell the Lord, I'm taking the territory. 
Go ahead. Come on. Come on. Come on. Pray now. Be a warrior. Come on, take it, 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 take it. Determine in your heart, no, the devil can't stop me. I will take up the whole armor of God and I will fight the good fight. I will use the sword of the spirit. I will use the shield of faith. I will wear the helmet of salvation. I will not be beaten. The devil will lose. He's already lost. Tell him, I, I will be obedient to you, God. Ask him to help you hear your voice. I ask you to help him hear his voice. Whoo, Lord, thank you for releasing battle strategies in the room. And for everybody watching online, listening to the podcast, I thank you for releasing battle strategies. Battle strategies. When to fast, when to pray, when to decree scripture. Lord, I thank you that you're gonna have families, instead of watching Netflix, you're gonna have them do worship together. Woo! Instead of having a Last Supper meal, a nice dinner time, you're going to actually have a family fast together. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I just speak to every single man in this place. I speak to your spirit, and I say, rise up in Jesus' name. You be the man of God that you truly are. The devil can't hold you down. Only you can hold you down. So kick him in the ribs. The devil's already been defeated. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I just thank you for your word. I pray that this message would not be a message or a sermon. I pray that this would be literal seed in the hearts of each person. I pray that we would all remember the truth of your word from this morning. Lord, that when we walk into a situation and we feel like we're getting pounded by the enemy, Lord, we, I just pray right now that the, these principles, these truths from your scripture would rise up. Lord, even if the minds in the room or minds listening didn't catch this, I thank you that each spirit did and that you will bring this about. You'll bring this up in the times that it's needed. Lord, I pray that when marriages are having conflicts, that they'll stop in the middle of their fights, look at each other and say, wait a second, wait a second. Let's get on our knees. Let's seek the Lord. Let's crush the devil here. He's not going to win. He's not going to take us. Woo. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You are good, and we love you, and we are territory takers. Lord, even right now, we just take a flag in our hands. Just as when, your astro when our astronauts landed on the moon, and we put a stake in the ground with a United States flag saying, no, this is our territory, we were here. Lord, right now, we take a flag, and it says Jesus on it, and we plow it right into the ground, and we declare that this, king this territory belongs to the kingdom of heaven in Eau Claire, in Chippewa, in Siren, in Rice Lake, in Cameron, in Barron County, and beyond, Lord, in Jesus' name. In our marriages, in our families, all the way across the board. So we thank you for it. In the name of Jesus. And everybody shouted, Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. Be sure to subscribe to our channel so you don't miss any new messages. To learn more or to get connected with us, please visit us at worldharvestusa.com. God bless you all, and we'll see you next time.